Welcome to the We Go Places podcast, where we catch up with We Go grads who share with us the story of the journey to their unique careers. I'm your host, Brian Turnbaugh, English teacher at WeGo since 2001, and you just heard intro music from Andy Georgieff, class of 2022. Today, I catch up with class of 2013's Akeem Asani, account coordinator at Secretly Distribution. Akeem will share with us how his love of music delivered him to a career where he breaks some of the most exciting new acts in the music industry. Be sure to check out the episode page and find links to Akeem's band, Peerlink, and links to Secretly Distribution's Spotify channel for new music. Joining us from the class of 2013 is Akeem Asani. Akeem, tell us what you do. Hey, thanks for having me, Brian. Um, I am currently a, I work in music distribution um, for uh, a group called Secretly Group. Um, it's a conglomerate of a lot of uh, indie uh, independent labels and artists, and I work on the physical distribution side um, of the company. So, Akeem, in high school, were you also like really into music as well? What was your experience that kind of also led you to maybe a, a career in music that you knew maybe already in high school? Yeah, so um, in all my years of uh, high school, I was in um, I was in the marching band. I was in um, band classes and any most music classes that were, uh, if there's any extra ones, I would try to take them as well. No, um, no, cor uh, no choral or choral or choir or anything like that. I don't have the the pipes, unfortunately, but um, I do have, you know, just a, a knack and wanting to learn and just being involved in music. So I was definitely I consider myself a band kid for sure. What was your instrument? Um, I did drumline. I did percussion. Um, and I was a co-captain of the drumline for, you know, a couple of years as well. I played the quads, um, which are the little floor drums. Um, and um, I was, we didn't have like chairs or first chair or second chair or anything, but I was in the, I was in the percussion part of band for, you know, all four years. Um, and out of all the teachers, you know, out at, um, at West Chicago, I mean, there's been plenty of teachers I still remember, including you, Mr. Turnbaugh, <laughs> um, and many other teachers, but uh, Mr. Gubbinson, who was the band teacher um, and band director at the time, uh, was super impactful and, you know, made me appreciate, you know, uh, my my love for music. He he definitely brought it out of me and made me want to pursue music even more. Um, and, you know, I didn't end up going into college um, for school, or I didn't go to school for, you know, playing instruments or anything like that, but... Um, I took classes and you know try to try to um, include things that I knew would work in a music industry type of job. So you, so what what school did you go to after we go? Mm -hmm. So I, you know, I wanted to stay in um, Illinois, so I went to DePaul University, um, which is located in Lincoln Park of Chicago. Um, I took a couple um, took a couple tours at a, a few other colleges in Chicago, including Loyola, but DePaul seemed to stand out for me. Um, and while I was there, I majored in communication and media, which was a, um, just kind of a, a broader kind of communication degree that I knew I could apply to, um, you know, a music industry type job. I minored in music business, um, as well at DePaul. Um, and when I was at DePaul around 2016 is when they really started the music business, um, minor. So, um, I was very grateful to, that it started within my timeline there and I'm sure it's, um, gone gotten a lot uh better you know at least there's probably more courses and a little bit more direction than that which i think is great how impactful was it that chicago was the school that you were able to 
start this uh, particular uh, mm-hmm. career with? Because I mean, it seems like, I mean, it's Chicago is one of the probably best music cities uh, in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, what what was your experience like with that? Uh, yeah, I mean, I was still trying to figure out what exactly I wanted to do um, in when I was trying to venture um, around in the city and just like in the music industry in general, it's so large. And so trying to figure out what I would be comfortable with and what spoke to me. Um, I had actually um, went into DePaul as a journalism major because I thought I wanted to do like writing journalism. And um, I think, I mean, out of the recent news that I've been seeing, you know, even this past week or the past month, you know, it's very hard to be a music journalist right now. So maybe a blessing in disguise with that. But um, I knew that I wanted to do something in music industry. So having access to, you know, uh, the network that, of, of people that are in Chicago in the first place, um, all the venues and artists that are, you know, coming through to the venue, the artists coming through the venues and such. And um, there's just a lot of opportunity for um, some music things in, in the city and things like that. Yeah, the city of Chicago in general um, has a lot of venues, like I, uh, like I was saying earlier, um, has access to um, artists and um, a lot of things in that variety. So a lot of my internships um, started at um, some venues in the city, including Lincoln Hall and uh, Shuba's, um, as well as working at record stores when I, when I was um, in college and post-college as well, um, which, another, which was another great way to introducing me to more things in the music industry. And that's actually how I got involved in um, music distribution. That was my first connection with the company was actually when I worked at my record store job in the city. So maybe let's talk about like your internship. How did you mm-hmm. find the internship and and what mm-hmm. you said you were at Lincoln Hall and then also yes. uh, maybe, yeah. uh, kind of describe how those, what those venues are like and mm-hmm. how they're similar and how they're, made, they're dissimilar in terms of the scene that they attract and, and all that. For sure. Um, so at DePaul and, you know, I'm sure other schools would do this too. They, they try and have their students do some kind of, um, internship for credits, um, for, for your, um, degree. So, um, I just decided to do a summer internship. Um, I applied for a lot of things, um, um, a lot of different venues and a lot of different types of, um, you know, music publishing things or, you know, booking agencies. And, um, unfortunately I didn't get anything like that, but I was, um, lucky enough to get um, an internship at um, Lincoln Hall and Shuba's, um, which is owned by um, Mike Shuba, and they run both uh, venues. There's one um, closer like to Wrigleyville, and there's one in Lincoln Park. Um, so I would um, spend time in between, uh, in between those venues, um, you know, doing stuff like social media um, and putting out posters in the, in the, around the venue and also being um, like day of hospitality or excuse me, day of show is what the, the position is called. It's the pretty much the hospitality, the, the guy who takes care of the writer and, you know, talks to the band and make sure they're all comfortable when they get to the venue. Um, and being able to um, work in a venue like that and um, just see how, at least in the live and entertainment um, kind of stuff, seeing how, seeing how that was done and the process of that and how to, you know, I, I was, I was watching, I, I got to talk to some people and the people who uh, book shows about how they did that. And I got to, you know, kind of see all the ins and out of, you know, how the music gets brought to a venue, um, and, which is great because so many different types of um, bands and artists come to a city like Chicago. Um, they always have, and they always will. Chicago's always been a musical city. 
Um, so I feel like that's definitely was a great opportunity um, for me. And it was a great advantage to be in a city school um, like that to attract um, so many things that I can see in the music industry and, you know, see if I want to, if it really suit me. And I did enjoy my time at the, at the, um, at the venues when I was doing my internship. And I was also at a part-time job a little bit after, but I also realized that, you know, I don't think that kind of, um, that side of the industry is what I really wanted to do. But I, you know, I was happy I got to find out um, via the internship. And, you know, I also was able to get some part-time hours after college at the place too. So um, thankfully for the internship, I was able to, you know, learn a lot and um, experience a lot of things. That sounds like an amazing internship. I'm just kind of scribbling down all the things that you did. It really allowed you to see so many different components of what it takes to put on a live show to include just negotiating what kind of, you know, chips that the band might want to be in the backstage. You know, we're talking about Mm -hmm. day of show, then to the promotion with uh, posters and social media and all of those things. What an incredible opportunity that you had there to do that. What, what was your favorite of all of those things that you did in your internship of mm-hmm. all those kind of things or that, uh, that you enjoyed the most? Um, I think my favorite part was definitely, um, the, um, hospitality, um, position and, uh, the day of show position. Um, cause you got to actually, you know, talk to the band, say hi to them. You know, sometimes they weren't nice. Um, you know, I don't have any horror stories or anything like that, but um, mostly, um, everyone was great and, um, it was just really nice to meet musicians like that. And, you know, some musicians that, um, I, I enjoy their music would, you know, come through. So that was always a pleasure too. Um, but what was your, like, did you have any like kind of starstruck moments where you're like, Whoa, I'm um, to this person and like, beep, 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 you know, kind of, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's one, there's one, there's one time when, um, um, I was working and, I wasn't actually working that day, but I was able to get, you know, tickets to the show because, um, I was able to, um, you know, it was one of my days off, but, um, I got to hang out in the back room and stuff and like get to meet, you know, get to talk to some of the people. And, um, it was, uh, Rostam Bot Monglish, who is, um, the old, uh, keyboardist of Vampire Weekend and Vampire Weekend was my favorite, um, band um, at the time in college. Um, most of the time I was walking the the halls in West Chicago, I was wearing some kind of vampire weekend merch or something. I seen, like I seen, I seen remember that. Yeah. Um, and so being able to like have the chance to, you know, be, be around him and just like being in a venue like that, it, it kind of just was a f- full circle and, you know, I didn't bother him too much, but it was just very nice to even have the opportunity. Just one more question about that. What do you think is, because I think when, as a, as someone who goes to a show, Mm-hmm. We we buy the ticket, we show up, we have a great time. What mm-hmm. do you think is like the hardest thing to get right behind the scenes that maybe the uh, the 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 consumer or the the viewer doesn't know that is like the hardest thing to pull off and make everyone happy? Mm-hmm. Well, I think the most important part of the show is you know is the audio, um, is the audio people, yeah. and in, um, you know you could have you could have a uh, you know a bad uh, day of show person, hospitality person, which I never was, but, you know, let's say bad people, uh, behind the scenes there. And like, you know, maybe not the nicest manager or the person at the bar, but as long as there's good sound, you know, at least something can be enjoyable. Um, and I never got into, you know, the actual audio side of, you know, how to run a uh, front of house is what they call it at these venues, um, how to run the soundboard and all that stuff. I think that is the most important, um, part. So letting them, 
being able to, you know, let those guys do their thing is, um, I think, um, very important, um, for the whole video. Now, what a, what an amazing time you must've had. I mean, uh, it's just, mm-hmm. it sounds like, it just sounds like perfect for what you wanted to do. And you got everything that you needed to know, uh, out of that, which is mm-hmm. incredible that you were able to seize on that opportunity because it was just right there. I love that. And what a better, what a great place to do it too at Shuba's. You graduate from DePaul. Mm-hmm. And what's your first, what, what was the job like, job market like once you yeah. got out and, and how, and what was your first uh, job? So when I, when I, when I just got out of um, college and it was 2017, um, I was still, um, you know, trying to find some kind of uh, music industry job. It, it, it took me a little bit of time before I actually was able to do, you know, music uh, music um, as part of like a you know part time or a full time job in general. Um, so in the process of like trying to interview for you know a bunch of different positions in the music industry, I was working at a pizza place in Chicago. It's called uh, it's called Home Slice, and it's actually right on campus um, at at DePaul Lincoln Park. So um, you know I was I would I would work there um, you know to pay the bills, and then when I had my free time, I would either you know try and do some music, um, as a hobby and, you know, play shows if I can, um, for money and also just looking for, um, a, a meaningful, um, music job. Um, and you know, some, at some point in, um, in maybe 2018, beginning of 2018 or so, maybe late 2017 was, uh, I was able to get a position, a part-time position at um, a record store called Sugar Records in Chicago. It's located in Wicker Park. Um, and that part-time position fully turned into full-time position at the record store. And after a couple of years as just kind of, um, working the front counter, I was, I was starting to co-manage the store with somebody else and, um, helping, um, curate events at the store, running social media, um, ordering records for the store, um, and things like that. So I consider that my first kind of, um, you know, not not part of like, um, you know, a music, a music, a professional music company, but like, um, record stores are, you know, some of the most important parts of, you know, the industry for sure. So, um, being able to, um, have the opportunity to work at a store like that, um, was definitely my first, like, um, again, my first full-time position and, um, a job that set me up for what I'm doing now. So I'm just kind of, kind of going through the timeline uh, of this, the actual medium of music has shifted probably from primarily like at one point you download an MP3 Mm -hmm. to then obviously we know how dominant streaming is. Mm -hmm. And then when you were just out of college, maybe there was, and you're working there, there was still maybe an uptick maybe of people maybe buying vinyl and, or maybe CDs still. I'm just trying to think Mm -hmm. what it was. So I'm I'm curious to know like how did you know how to listen to the demands of the niche let's say consumers of Lincoln Park where you were at mm-hmm. and then what were the t- how did you know how to like know how to make certain purchases for mm-hmm. like, just such a very uniquely shifting ground underneath you in terms of the market, the mediums and all that stuff. It must have been challenging, but kind of really interesting one to kind of confront. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like, um, you know, most music fans I know and um, just kind of the idea of working at a record store is kind of like a 
you know, a dream job in a sense. Um, you know, the work at, you know, everyone thinks the record store employee is like the coolest guy, you know, or like, you know, the pretentious like music, uh, employee is like definitely like this, you know, kind of a stereotype thing. Um, but being at the store, um, it just taught me a lot about what music was popular at the time and, you know, on vinyl, um, it was around, you know, I think it was around 2014 or so, it was in, or, you know, 2012 is when vinyl started really, really um, getting more popular again. So now vinyl is actually every form. Vinyl, CDs, cassettes, they're all selling at um, way more than they have in the past. It's some of the highest vinyl numbers we've seen in a long time. So I was very fortunate to, you know, be in, you know, the around music and uh, around music distribution. Um, and records and all those kind of um, formats and CDs would come in through the store. And as the years went on, you know, more and more, you know, people come to the store a lot. People buy um, vinyl now, especially, you know, when you have big artists like Taylor Swift coming out with like different colors of like, you know, the same album and um, or Adele, you know, making, you know, 500,000 copies of, of her album. Uh, and it's, it's definitely gotten more mainstream now. So all kinds of people are coming in and out of the shop, which is great as well, because, um, you know, the demand comes in, you know, uh, somebody will come and ask you for a record and it's like, oh, I don't have that record. Let's see how I can bring that record to the store. Um, you know, these, and, you know, sometimes some people will come in asking for the same artist. You're like, oh, I never heard of this artist before. This seems like to be a new thing. And so, um, I think that was the most fun part. It was trying to curate stuff for, you know, any kind of person that might uh, walk into the store um, and being able to uh, being in a city like Chicago as well, um, seeing what artists were coming to certain venues and like who was coming on tour. It's like, Oh, maybe we should bring these albums in the store, um, try to curate events with these artists as well. If they're in town, maybe they can come to a signing or a meet and greet or something like that. Um, being in the city, um, it was another um, advantage to having a, a job at the music uh, at, excuse me, the record store, because, um, so many people, um, are going to want, you know, merch or excuse me, uh, vinyl and records and cassettes and CDs, but you're also going to get, um, lots of bands, you know, attract, you know, just, uh, music fans in general. Did you ever have like an intuition about a band? Hmm. Like they're not big now. But there's mm-hmm. something about them that no one else knows, but I know <laughs> that, that ended that you were right. Like while you were there, like, well, how, yeah. how did you maybe kind of get that? How did you know that you had that? Yeah. Sense? Well, I think the one that really comes to mind is there's this band called Krong Ben. Um, oh, I, <laughs> I, literally Akeem. I was, ju- we were just listening to them downstairs. Yeah. Like I yeah. love them. They're the best. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like, I didn't really know who they were until I started working at the record store. Um, and realizing how many people would come in asking for that specific record um it was back in i think it was 2017 yeah. maybe 2018 uh, uh total mundo um i think it's the uh or no i forgot what the worst record is one of the early records though but like watching them um watching that those records move um and i would just recommend it to anyone who was walking to the store and they would you know really like the music it's one of those bands that is very accessible so um it was and we were probably um, the, the store in Chicago that probably sold the most, you know, Krungman titles because the owners, the, uh, the the owner of the store, you know, like befriended the band and stuff, and you know, was really, really, um, you know, 
really repping that band and like whenever a customer would come and like you know really push that record our customers and stuff like that um but it's funny it actually goes full circle because um the the job i have now um which is music distribution um with secretly group one of the labels we work with is dead oceans which is uh, krogman's label um so uh, it was very full circle in that sense which is which is always um, nice as well um but um now i'm on the other side of the of the of the scenario instead of bringing krungman records to the store i'm selling krungman records to record stores now so let's talk about that how did you find how did you uh how did the opportunity to go to secretly present itself to you Um, so it was, it was a little bit of a longer process for me. Um, I was at the store, I was at the record store in Chicago, Sugar Records for almost four years. Um, and I had an opportunity to work at a label in Chicago called Numero Group, which is a archival, uh, reissue label that's in Chicago. Um, and I was a, I was a fan of the label and, um, Numero Group is also distributed by Secretly Group, which is the company I work at. Um. So I worked at the Numero Group label for about a year and a half uh, working, um, I was kind of like uh, the office assistant. Um, and this was in 20, about 2020 or 2021 when back, uh, people were starting to get back to the office very slowly. I was in charge of like, you know, getting the office ready and also running, um, helping run the band camp and the online store for the label and, you know, uh, kind of doing some customer service stuff there. Um, but being, being working at Numero Group, I was part of the, I was an employee and the, the, the corporation of secretly group in general. I was, you know, on the other side of the company. I was at a label in the company, different side of where I am now, but I got my foot in the door, um, as an employee of Numero Group. And then, um, once there was a job opening on the distribution side of the company, I applied and was, was, um, fortunate enough to um get that position which is where i'm at right now can you just uh, uh kind of follow up question you mm-hmm. said that they were archival reissue what does that mean yeah so numero group uh, they what they do is they like look for um you know they'll like go to like record fairs or like you know try and find these old musicians um that you know have been out of print or they're hard to find and they will you know buy the rights to the music and um reissue it uh to you know the modern audience and you know maybe remaster it or add some you know add some new material to some maybe older stuff that you know they found so um newer group is known for like their soul um so they they found a lot of like you know chicago soul ohio soul back from like the 50s 60s 70s you know whatever decade um and they do a bunch of music too um but they they find this stuff and you know polish it make it sound nice and put it on streaming services and on, you know, and on cassette and CD for, you know, the modern audience. That's so, that's so cool. So then you, um, oh, one, another question about that. Mm-hmm. When, what is it? Cause I think so many people interact with Bandcamp mm-hmm. uh, as a website. I was wondering like on your, on the other side of that, what does it mean to manage it? Like, what does that look like? Yeah. So setting up new releases, um, you know, putting in all the, the, the metadata which is like you know the the songwriting credits and all the album credits and um getting all that information in the liner notes and the actual mp3s and or you know whatever uh files putting the album artwork making sure that 
uh, that page is ready. So um, on the release day, you can you know press the publish page button, and uh, it, it is a it's a page um, on Bandcamp that anyone can you know buy the um, audio files. You can also set up the merch side of the Bandcamp as well, so fans can um, uh, buy certain CDs or you know we have shirts and there's a bunch of we had all kinds of different kinds of merch. So um, it, it was also effective in introducing people. They could stream the music and buy it in their digital collection or if they wanted a physical um, as well, they could buy it from Bandcamp. That's so cool. So now you, then you, you take the next position as an account uh, coordinator at Secretly. <laughs> so how is this uh, kind of now, maybe just to maybe step back and talk about Secretly as a, as a, as a mm-hmm. company, again, refresh my memory, how many... Uh, how much talent does in and, and the range of talent that you have how many like bands and artists that you have there and oh what are what's the maybe typical maybe do they have a, a particular sound or genre that they specialize mm-hmm. or is it very very uh, diverse um so um secretly group um as a whole is it's it's the it'll be the kind of encompassing um company that I'm talking about um it started as um Secretly Canadian, which is an indie label that was um, uh, founded in Bloomington, Indiana. So Secretly Canadian and Secretly Distribution started in Bloomington, Indiana. Um, and as the years have gone on, this was back in like the 90s, 99 maybe. And as the years have gone on, they've, you know, they've um, brought in some other independent labels such as Dead Oceans, um, which was in Austin, Texas. Um, and they brought in Numero Group, which is, which is in Chicago. They've also brought in... Um, Jag Jaguar, um, which is like, you know, home to like Bony Bear um, and some other artists like that. Um, a lot of these big indie labels, um, they'll like, you know, kind of form conglomerates and that's kind of kind of what happened with Secret Group. So um, they have a core of like maybe four or five main labels. Um, and then Secretly Distribution um, di- distributes those five main labels. But then uh, Secretly Distribution also, we have about like maybe... 90 different labels that we distribute for um throughout for the for u.s distribution um okay so then how many like what's a so what's a typical day of work for you then so like how do you know like uh so you uh let's say a a new band gets discovered or Mm -hmm. like what's the process of let's say uh procuring the talent and the bands and then all like Uh so they come to you and then they come to you and then how do they go then go back out to the world once you guys have discovered them and then are ready to um mm-hmm. yeah, give them their their rightful boost um it's really interesting how it all works um i work in the physical side of the company and i'm just a very small part of what is a, a, the whole campaign of what um a new artist would be so it all starts with like um higher up in the chain is anr they're the ones who are um artists in the repertoire they're finding all the new uh talent and once they get brought in to, you know, one of the labels in our company, they'll get signed um, and the music's made. And then it goes through the process of like the project managers in our company, which are getting all the material ready, material ready press photos, um, you know, getting stuff for like interviews, whatever comes in the, into like a campaign. Um, they're the ones who are playing it right there, helping prep for tour, all that stuff. And then while the music's made, they talk to my side of the company, which is distribution, the physical side. We are in charge of producing the records, the CDs, the cassettes for the band. Um, 
the digital team um, at our company, they're in charge of streaming, making sure um, all the songs are ready for distribution for YouTube, Spotify, Apple, Tidal, you know, whatever. Um, and we all work together and, um, you know, and hopefully make a successful campaign. Um, each, each company, each part of the company has their own kind of, um, important part of the whole process. Um, um, I'm kind of on the end of the process, you know, when the, the music's already been made, we know what the album looks like. Um, it's been approved. So then we start pressing, you know, the actual copies. And, um, once those are ready, they're brought to our warehouse in Bloomington, Indiana. Um, and then my part of the job is I talk to, I have about 70, 75 accounts, um, which are uh, account, my accounts are record stores in the country. Um, so I have, I, I talk to, I'm like the, I'm the rep of the, the of the, of the distribution company. Um, so whenever they place an order, um, on our website, which is where they can check, um, where all the stuff that we, we can send to them from our warehouse, they'll put in an order. I give this order to the warehouse and they ship it to them and I make sure the order is there safely and um, all the product just, you know, was arrived on time and there's no damages. And um, I also, you know, if I recognize a store has, you know, maybe a certain taste, sometimes I'll try and recommend you know, some stuff to record stores if, if, if I can, you know, um, but just being able to help get music to record stores um, is a very, in my my sense um, a fulfilling job because you know merely five years ago i was on the other side of the counter so it's very cool to be able to you know get the product to the store that is that's got to be like you said full circle coming around uh to that uh where where do you said that the the warehouses are in indiana where where do the actual cds and vinyl get pressed is that in the same place um, so there's a, there's a few different, um, plants that are, you know, scattered across, you know, the U S and, um, in Europe as well. Um, we do a lot of production in Europe. Um, but we also do a lot of, you know, we just, we do as, we do as much production as we can anywhere just so we can have as much, um, you know, it's very competitive, you know, a lot of other labels and, you know, production, you know, distribution companies are, you know, trying to fight for this limited pressing plant space. Um, so, um, being, you know, being able to, um, get these records made and have them sent directly to, um, you know, to Bloomington, Indiana, sometimes comes all the way from the Czech Republic. Um, you know, it definitely, it, it varies. Um, but it all, you know, once it all gets there, um, it gets uploaded to our site and is ready for purchase. What's a typical press? Like, like, like say, okay, we got this band coming in. We think that mm -hmm. they're got a lot of potential. How do you know to say like we're gonna have X amount made versus maybe not so much? Like, what's how do you how do you know? Yeah, when to roll the dice, so to speak. It's, it's very, yeah. It's it's that's like the hardest part of the job. Yeah, you never know. Actually, you never know what's gonna pop off. And it's really interesting. Now there's a whole um, virality side of like a song gets popular on TikTok, and all of a sudden this band kind of blows up. You know, it's very much oh luck yeah, of the draw. Sense. You know, yeah. Another part of the job is just like watching trends you know a lot of the that's a lot of the uh, digital team will kind of monitor that kind of stuff like or maybe i didn't even think about it's that popular in youtube yeah yeah and in this digital age it's very very interesting and it has adds a whole different um, bunch of variables um about whether you know maybe this artist is worth signing or or is it worth you know making you know 
thousand records, um, which is, you know, it's, it's, you know, for an independent artist, you know, maybe 1,000, 2,000 is, is kind of like, you know, um, an, uh, an average range, you know, maybe lower. Um, but, you know, for artists like, you know, Krungbed or, you know, the, the bigger, you know, we also, uh, we, we work with Phoebe Bridgers and Mitski and, um, Bon Iver and, you know, a bunch of other indie artists, you know, those go up into like, you know, the, maybe the 20,000s, the 30,000 pressings. Um, but again, you know, you just work your way up there, but it, you know, it's, it's definitely a gamble. Um, it, we, we have the production team, you know, try their best and, you know, projection team talks with the, the label and they talk with um, other people to kind of gauge like, okay, is this a popular band? How many units have we sold in the past? Let's plan accordingly. Cause you, you know, the last thing you want is pressing too much. And you have um, dead stock that's not being purchased, and it's just a waste of money. Um, and you know, you know, the the best case scenario is that you underpressed, and there's more excitement, so now you can press more. Um, but it's all part of the game, you know. There's a lot of um, there's a part of uh, I, I work with uh, some some releases that you know we overpress, and so I'm, we're trying to figure out ways to you know how we can move that product. You know, that's another part of the job. So it's definitely a gamble, but um, you know. There's some, um, there's some, you know, there's some trends that we try to follow or see what has worked in the past. Yeah, I would imagine there's got to be some real head scratchers where you're like, wait, how did that become so popular? Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, yeah. like, like, like maybe one influencer use it as a background mm-hmm. music, and it just kind of takes off like that. Is there mm-hmm. any travel involved with what you do? Um, yeah, uh, there's limited travel right now. So there's, um, there's like a music distribution. Um, conferences that happen uh throughout the u.s um uh so i went to um they call it summer camp which is a record st- independent record store kind of um conference and meetup that takes place in new orleans um so i'd never been there before so i was able to go there and uh i was a representative for the distribution company so i got to meet with other labels and a bunch of record stores and you know talk to them see what we can do better see how we can you know uh, make our process better and, you know, get to have a, a name and a face for the people that you meet online. Cause I bought, I talked to a bunch of different stores and once you finally get to meet somebody, you know, in person, it's, it's a very, it's a very great, um, it's fun. It's a very great connection. And, um, uh, also we have, um, we have, um, label summits for our company as well. That takes place every summer. Um, we fly, you know, a lot of the, the workers, uh, we have international workers as well in London. So we fly them into Bloomington, um, Indiana, uh, for like a week of meetings with labels and sh- other distribution stuff. And, uh, so this may see mainly like conferences that um, happen throughout the year. Um, I'll do two or three, you know, per year. Now, do you work in a, an office? Because you mm-hmm. said like, sounds like the headquarters is like in Indiana, but mm-hmm. like, where is there a, where is there like a, a Chicago office that you work out of, or do you get to work at home a little bit? Are you a, in, in a hybrid situation? So, um, I was working, um, in Chicago, there was, uh, the newer group office. Um, they have like their warehouse and they have a little office space for a newer group and people at secretly group to work there. Um, and this, this is located in a little village in Chicago. So it was a hybrid job. Um, and I would, um, work, you know, three days at home and two days at the office, um, which is what I'm doing now too. Um, when I accepted this job as an account coordinator for CBLE Distribution, um, there's a chance for me that I could work in the New York office. So I have since moved to New York like 
maybe six months ago. Um, they have an office in Williamsburg, Brooklyn that um, I work out of now, um, which is cool because a lot of the artists that we work with, they, you know, they come to New York, so they come say hi to us at the office and it's a really nice office space. You know, it's like, I think it's the most, you know, professional office I've worked in um, and being able to work in Williamsburg and, you know, take, take the train from, um, I live in Bushwick right now, but taking the train to Williamsburg is, um, it's a nice, it's a nice treat seeing the skyline, you know, and, you know, being such a big city. Wow. Wow. Amazing. How, how, how can you maybe compare from a scale standpoint, mm -hmm. Chicago to New York in terms of just like your mm -hmm. living experience versus then the actual scene experience of like how much broader and bigger it is, uh, as a, as a music, uh, place of, of creativity and all of that. Cause I mean, Chicago is great, but I mean, New York's got, yeah. Right. Oh my gosh. No. Yeah. You know, Chicago was great. And, you know, I, I really enjoyed the city, um, and my time there, but, um, I lived there for about 10 years, um, from college to, you know, after college. And I wanted, uh, I wanted to, you know, I wanted a little bit of a change, but also like you said, the scale of New York is obviously just, you know, it automatically, you know, quadruples in size, yeah. you know, the amount of venues that are here, the amount of artists that are coming in and out every day, you know, the, the amount of record stores that are here, you know, everything is, you know, times 10 in, in New York. So, um, networking and just being able to meet these different artists and being to meet these able people in this industry is way, way more of an advantage in, in a city like in New York than it is Chicago, even though Chicago is a great music city, New York is just, you know, just the 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 bigger it's it's the bigger side of it um it's kind of um it's the definitely the meaning ground of so many different kinds and this is for any industry um well not even just music i'm just talking about music that i've seen here because um you know a place for you know more opportunities and you know more everything um absolutely what what do you think has been like your most um kind of like favorite surprise about living in New York city, like, like, Whoa, I didn't know that was there. Like, I mean, obviously you probably weren't, I mean, living in Chicago, there's so many random things that happen and all that, but like, did, was yeah. there anything like, with like, Whoa, that was, this is kind of cool that I can do this now. Um, so I think one of my favorite, uh, things that have happened to me recently was I went to a show, this artist, uh, named, named June McDoom. Um, and she's an up and coming indie artist. Um, I had actually met her, you know, off chance I met her at a at a bar in Brooklyn one day. Um, and she is currently being distributed by Temporary Residency, which is a, a label that my company distributes. So we push, you know, we get her records to record stores. And I had, you know, I'd worked on her music and I listened to it, but I got to meet her in person um, in New York just on a random like Tuesday night at a bar. I just walked into her. We just started talking. Um, but you know, being able to meet someone like that is really cool. And then, you know, I went to a show of hers maybe a couple months later and it was this very intimate show in this church. It was a very beautiful show, but it was also, um, they were like, she's kind of in a bidding war for, um, her next possible next label move. So a lot of big, you know, indie heads were in the room, you know, some of the big wigs. Um, it was very interesting to see, you know, these kind of people are like trying to get this talent and, um, seeing what that vibe was like and seeing the people in the room and, you know, the networking and, and all that stuff. Um, and that was just one side of that. I mean, even the music in the church was a, a whole beautiful thing, even as a music fan, I thought it was a great night, but 
also being able to see the business kind of side um, on the other side of the spectrum. Um, it was really, also really interesting. Yeah, it's really uh, left brain, right brain uh, kind yeah. of scenario going on there. At the Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. The aesthetics and the sound is amazing, but then yeah. you can see these other forces at play there. You said yeah. before that um, uh, there's two sides of, of this company where you're on more like the production distribution. And then there's, I think you called it like the A and R. Did I get that mm-hmm. right? Yeah. yeah. Um, is that it? Is that some place that you think that you're going, like if you're going to kind of, mm-hmm. you know, if like, you know, it's like you're working out, you know, use my right arm to kind of bulk up, but then my left arm is going to be this. Like, is there a, uh, do you see yourself maybe kind of taking your expertise on that side and seeing how that could work on that other end of it? Is there kind of yeah. like that? possibility of cross-pollinating that in, in uh, with the company? Absolutely. Um, I, you know, so starting at Numer Group, I, you know, worked my way up to the distribution side, which is, you know, uh, which, which, which was a step up. And I had recently applied for a project manager job, which um, which um, is a, a, a part of the company that is um, in charge of, I, I mentioned a little bit earlier, but they're in charge of like the actual campaign and make sure everything is um, running smoothly, um, everything from the the records being made and making sure the press photos are ready and making sure all that stuff. I would love to be a project manager. Um, I think I would do. I think I'd do a great job um, for, uh, doing managing um, artist campaign projects and stuff like that. Um, fortunately, I was not able to get that position quite yet, but I'm still at the company and I'm I'm looking for any chance that I can you know go to a newer position um, in the company. Um, because I, I do like this company not a lot. I enjoy it, and um, I, I enjoy the people I work with, and I enjoy um, being able to go to the office and it's, you know hopefully just take my way up the chain if I can. And um, A and R is like you know also kind of like the end of that being able to bring in the artists and the the talent, and you know hopefully you know maybe signing the next big thing is obviously everyone what everyone wants to do, but uh, the dream. Yes, that is the dream. But, you know, hopefully as I stay in my role and, you know, stay in the city, meet new people, get more familiar with the, you know, the process, hopefully I can make my way up to something like that. So I want to kind of pivot a little bit here. Uh, you also are in a band <laughs> called Pure Link. And I was wondering, you kind of tell me, like, is this your first band or like what's uh-huh. like, so, you know, we we started at the beginning of the interview, you're talking about your time in percussion <laughs> at WeGo. I was wondering, like, your. Uh, dabbling in music and now you're in this uh, I did see that they were um, reviewed recently in Pitchfork which is so is pretty cool mm-hmm. uh, and uh, it's it's an excellent excellent just you know meditation I, the music is just such a vibe um, mm-hmm. if I sound cringy when I say that but it no. is true uh, I, love like, it. I was wondering if you kind of, kind of walk us through your the, the musical side uh, mm-hmm. um, so I, I guess I'll, I'll start way back just in general as, as, um, I've always been, um, you know, a band, band geek, you know, always doing music stuff, um, in high school, middle school, whatever. I grew up as a very musical kid. And, um, I, 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 like I said earlier, I didn't go to class. I didn't go to school for like a performance or anything like that. So, um, when I wasn't at school, I was always, you know, trying to work on music if I can and whatever pass passy that was. Or going to shows and things like that. Um, back in high school, I was in a band with a mod, actually, um, and another student here, John Dron. That was kind of like my first like band in general, and like we'd play in um, you know very small places in the Chicago land suburbs and stuff like that. Um, but you know, I met some people in you know being 
being in the bands uh, around the suburbs and stuff, I met some friends that um, I'm still friends with today. Actually, one of the people I met is actually my roommate now um, in New York, uh, which is which is great. Um, but just I just would try and make music on the side whenever I had a chance. Um, and Chicago was a great place for this, you know, being able to go to DIY shows or, you know, actual shows and meeting people. Um, so eventually I got into DJing. Um, Chicago is, you know, infamously um, that the, the home of house music um, and being able to go to I was exposed to, you know, more electronic and dance music and going to shoot the events in Chicago, um, which definitely like, you know, changed my life. Um, I was I was more of an indie kid, indie rock kid, Vampire Weekend back in high school. But you know this exposure to this kind of music, you definitely changed you know how I perceive music and what I like and stuff. And you know, just a lot of things changed once I got to the city and you know meaning and having more um, more access and more um, exposure to this kind of stuff. Um, I would make solo. I would do a solo music and DJ um, on the side when I could. And one day I was working at the record store and um, somebody came into the record store and they bought this record that um, that I like. And I was working the counter and I was like, hey, like you like this record? I like this record too. Um, we started talking um, and we eventually exchanged information. And, you know, um, his name was Tommy. Um, you know, I would see him at some shows every once in a while and eventually we became friends. Um, and Tommy introduced me to his friend named Ben um and we all started hanging out and we all started you know we had a lot in common and then we just started to make music together one day we we met in 2019 and then in 2020 is when we started trying to make music together and we just had so much fun making music together and just hanging out and um and eventually we made music that we liked um and so tommy and then and i made this project called pure link um and i it's funny because it all comes back to working at the record store um, this kid just happened to walk to the record store. I love, I love <laughs> stories like that. They just, that stuff just, yeah, I love that. <laughs> just, yeah. And just, like, um, you know, looking in the back, it, yeah. you know, you decided like, I'm going to go get a, a, a coffee and you just yeah. go take a sip and someone else checks them out. Now that we're not literally. a whole different timeline, right? Literally the chances were very slim, but you know, I was supposed to be working at that record store that moment at that day and this kid Tommy was supposed to come in and um it was all it, it's it's all funny how it all worked out and you know me wanting to work in the industry and being lucky enough to manage a record store at that time and just it all is just yeah it was all great it, it, it's it's all meant to be I guess but so how would you describe Pure Link's on mm-hmm. sound um I say you know the broad scope is electronic music um if you want to get a little bit more um a little bit more into it it's part of the ambient kind of realm um like you said you had you had some meditative is a is a is a good word for it it's definitely you know a little bit lower key it's definitely music you can have on in the background um while you're working or if you really put on some headphones you can really dig in and hear all the details and things like that um we we were big fans of this kind of music and this kind of sound and they actually they introduced me to a lot of this stuff too. We introduced each other to you know different kinds of music and stuff, and we're just trying to blend it all together. Um, and as of right now, this project is definitely in the 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 very chill kind of side of music. And you know, um, 
I and it's and it's mostly instrumental. So um, none of us can sing. Like I said earlier, I was not in choir, and neither neither of them were either. So um, it's all instrumental stuff. But um, you know, we've been working on music together for you know almost three years now, or going on four years. Um, we all met in Chicago, and we all moved to New York. You know, about six months ago. So we're all trying to make this thing happen to you know like i said earlier there's more opportunities in new york there's more venues there's more chances to play these shows there's more chances to meet people and all things like that so um i was able to take my job to the office um in williamsburg and also you know i was lucky enough that um tommy and ben my bandmates wanted to move to new york as well so we're we're trying this thing out in new york and um so far, it's been really great, and I'm also lucky enough to be able to, you know, do some DJing um, on the side as well in New York. So, um, lots to keep me busy if I'm not at work. You're sure that is so cool. Just a, a follow up question: like, mm-hmm. how, how do you work together, right? So, like, mm-hmm. who has an idea, and then how does the whole, mm-hmm. how does it coalesce into music? Um, it always varies. Um, sometimes I'll come in with a new idea for a song. Sometimes Ben or Tommy will, um, whatever the, the start of it is, there's usually kind of, it all comes around like maybe like one sample or a loop that we like, or a sound that we like, and, um, we'll each have our own laptop and then we just try to add things to it and see what sticks. It's a lot of kind of seeing what works and what doesn't. Um, we try to, you know, tend, we tend to stay in our, you know, we know what we can do best. Like I, like I said, I'm a drummer and, you know, playing percussion and drums at, at West Chicago and bands and all that. I usually work, focus on, you know, maybe the percussive, maybe more rhythmic stuff while Ben will do some kind of, um, some piano stuff, maybe some pads or some textures. And then Tommy will maybe add some bass or something like that, you know, um, and it changes from song to song as well, but we all kind of just try to bring, um, our, in addition to what we think needs to be added to the song. And then sooner or later we have something that we like, and then we just try to make it as good as possible. Wow. So cool. Yeah. I mean, and is this, is PureLink something in its current form, something that can gig? Like, is that something you can do at a, at a like as a performance or is it, no, is it, is it something that you see that could evolve to something like that? Yeah. Well, um, I was going to say part of the process, I had mentioned it earlier in, in the last question, but like, yeah, we all use our laptops. Um, and so we can all bear our laptops on stage and, um, you know, be able to do this, which is nice. It's something that we're still working on, um, trying to figure out what a live set, what makes a good live set. We play some shows here and there. Um, we're going to be playing more shows this year and hopefully doing some stuff overseas if we can. Um, yeah, it's been in the talks, you know, we have some people that are interested, but you know, it's a lot, it's a lot to, um, to coordinate and all that um but on our laptops we're using this we're using this project uh this um this software called ableton which is um music production software um um uh, it's called a daw a daw a digital audio workspace i believe is the um abbreviation there's a bunch of different daws that are available um if, you know actually my first exposure to um a, a daw was in was at West chicago there was a music tech class that was taught by forgot his name he was the choir teacher at the time um but he it was a music tech class and it was this uh fantosi fantosi yes thank you very much i knew it was an f um is he still there yep great yeah yeah um, sure. well he you know he ran that class and 
they had in the lab it was it was a lab space that was um connected by a hallway to the bedroom um but they had um reason which is a different kind of software um but um their keyboard set up and that was my first time they were actually using something like that um and so you know later in college i was able to you know get into ableton and that was a whole different learning curve but I do often think back about what my first exposure to that it was actually at West Chicago, which is um, which is always fun, and, and just collapses that learning curve of a software too, just knowing that you had some familiarity with it. A little bit, yeah. It's it's yeah. definitely like it's like learning Photoshop or something like that, and it's yeah. very daunting at first. But you know, once you you know you put you put time into it and invest time into it, and um, you know you, you get to figure it out. Ah, so cool, Akeem. This has been so great, and uh, I always like ending the interview uh, with. Uh, a question about what tips for success do you think you could give current Wildcats? Um, I would recommend, let's see, for my fellow Wildcats, um, be, um, I would say, be open to learning new things and um, push, your, push yourself out there as, you know, as vague as that sounds. Um, you know, the amount of times I applied for a different job or a job that I really wanted in the music industry and that it didn't work out. And, you know, I, it was, it was very defeating at the time, obviously. And, you know, this reject, you know, the rejection isn't great, but as long as you put yourself out there and keep, you know, keep active and, you know, meet people and keep doing things, the opportunities will, will open up. And, um, you know, it's very, it's, it, that's, that advice is not new, but it is definitely, it, it, it's definitely real. It's definitely, you know, just as long as you really keep yourself open and try your best and navigate the world in the best way you can, opportunities will happen for you. Yeah, I, I think it's so true that where, like you said, like, you know, don't be discouraged, keep at it, and then really uh, lean on the networking side of things because I think people generally do want to help other people mm -hmm. uh, be successful. And I think that's kind of like, uh, it, I think sometimes we could be too glasses half full with that, but I, I think that. I think there's a lot of truth in that type of um, uh, kind of reciprocity where people want to help others. So, yeah, I love that. I love that. Well, cool. Well, thank you so much, uh, Akeem. And uh, I've really enjoyed uh, learning about this really cool uh, career that you have and the journey that took you to, uh, to get to your uh, success right now. So this has been really great. Uh, thank you for having me, Brian. It was a pleasure. Um, I, I look back on my time at Chicago very fondly. Um, so it was very cool to reconnect and, um, it was also great for me just to kind of think about how much of that stuff has connected um, with what I'm doing now. So thanks for the great chat. Thanks for listening. Do us a favor and spread the word about We Go Places by sharing our interviews with other Wildcats on social media. If you want to search past episodes or stay current, subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or anywhere where you get your podcasts. Just search We Go Places. And you can also follow We Go Places on Facebook and Twitter at We Go Places Podcast. If you know of a former Wildcat who would be a great guest, send me a direct message on Facebook, Twitter, or even at school email at brianturnbaugh at d94.org. <laughs>